Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is May 20th, 2021. It is Tony here in Saskatchewan. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. 45 minutes of unscripted, unedited, and completely unhinged commentary on Canada's issues. I am flying solo today. Lewis is away, so it probably will not be a full 45-minute show today. But you will be stuck with me and me alone. And I have to send apologies on behalf of Lewis. It actually is not his fault that he is unable to be here today. He was actually ready to do a show yesterday when we normally publish a show. However, it was my fault that I was that I couldn't get together with him to link up for a show because I was too busy indulging in my midlife crisis and out buying a new truck. I've told many of you in the audience that I am pushing 50, so it is about that time. But that's where it ends. I'm only buying the buying the new truck. There is not going to be any young hottie to accompany this midlife crisis. Just going to be a nice looking new truck. I've already got a a hot wife who looks young, so I'm just going to say I've got the, got it all already. So <laughs> All right. So let's get right to it on the show tonight. What the heck is going on with our military still? Can one province change the constitution all on their own? Is COVID being a smart virus again? And more. So we're going to start with Canada's military. Now... It's been all over the news, so those of you who live in Canada should have heard by now that Major General Denis Fortin has has stepped down from his position. Now, General Fortin was the the general in charge of vaccine distribution in Canada, um, more accurately of uh, of the rollout in getting the vaccines from central depots to each of the provinces, and. He had been doing a great job. He certainly had a lot of respect from Canadians. And it's recently surfaced that there was an allegation of some sexual impropriety against General Fortin. It's 32 years ago when he was in military college. So, amid investigations, and the Army has actually asked for the Quebec Prosecutorial Service to take over investigation of said allegation. So the military has taken it seriously, and General Fortin has stepped down while this investigation goes on. A couple of things on this. So, one, he does the right thing by stepping down when this allegation surfaces. And already I hear people say, well... It was 32 years ago. Sure it was, but I still don't give him a pass for that. And I'm not even going to suggest that it's modernism, as now it's called judging past events by today's standards. I don't know what occurred, and none of us do. But yet again, uh, Mr. Trudeau and his office knew nothing about it, naturally. 
and we don't know what happened, but we know that any sort of impropriety of that nature needs to get looked into at any rate. So I would say give General Fortin his his due diligence and give him his day in court, as it were, and let's find out what happened. Now, the uh, the victim involved, obviously he came forward with this, so so at least the military has grounds to begin an investigation on. But let's let's indulge me in this little bit of hypocrisy from our own supreme leader, Mr. Justin Trudeau. Now, Mr. Trudeau, of course, says he also does not give General Fortin a pass on on how long ago this event occurred, 32 years ago. And he says he needs to be investigated and prosecuted. And are you thinking what, what I was thinking when I heard Justin Trudeau say that? Or are you thinking, Canada, that, well, Mr. Trudeau, uh, you, that would now 20 years ago in 2001, were accused of such a thing and the, the 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 victim actually said that Justin Trudeau quote manhandled her and she did bring it up to him and his apology to her was oh had I known you were writing for a national paper I wouldn't have been so forward and then when the event came to light in 2018 Mr. Trudeau just said Oh, well, I mean, women and men experience situations differently. And, you know, she clearly just experienced this differently. Am I the only one who sees hypocrisy in that? Is it just me who says, Mr. Trudeau, you are absolutely the dumbest individual who has ever sat in the prime minister's chair? Because, of course, he does not see any of the hypocrisy in what he is saying. Oh, General Fortin, you need to be investigated. You need to be punished if necessary. Myself, Mr. Trudeau, oh, no, no, no. She just experienced it differently. And that's a lesson for all of you Canadian men. All of you, not not, not, not Mr. Trudeau, all of you, you Canadian men. That's a lesson for all of you that, you know, you need to do better. Not him. No, 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 not Mr. Trudeau. He's, he's, he's above the law. Very much above the law. And absolutely below the necessary IQ level to be a politician. And that's setting the bar really low. Just saying. So it's, it's really a shame that nobody in the media called Mr. Trudeau out on that. Nobody in the media said, uh, Mr. Trudeau, why is it that General Fortin needs to be investigated so thoroughly, but you get a pass for your kokanee grope in 2001? But no, no, the media just soaks it up and says, it's Mr. Trudeau, it's Justin. Look, it's Justin, he's talking. I don't get it. I know Lewis doesn't get it either. And I'm sure you don't get it, you and our audience, because 
you folks have got it going on. You folks actually know the score. And you actually know how much the media loves to to play cover for Mr. Trudeau. It's absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, so the other question that came to light over General Fortin's resignation or temporarily stepping aside, whatever you want to call it, I don't even know, is there was some concerns about the vaccine rollout in which the General Fortin was in charge. Now, I'm not as concerned about that. Now, I understand that there are 4.4 million vaccines to be delivered this week, allegedly, which will be the largest shipment Canada has had to date, almost double the size of any previous shipments that Canada has received. But it's not like the general himself was actually carrying boxes and boxes into trucks. I mean, he was the front man, he was the coordinator, but he hired all the right people to do everything for him. So really, I think it's just a matter of finding the next person to spearhead the initiative. But I think that the boots on the ground are already in place and already doing a fantastic job. Now, I know that there was, of all people, a Toronto Star reporter who actually was echoing that exact same sentiment, that really it's uh, it's just a matter of finding a new boss, but the work is already being done. So if you're waiting for a vaccine, Canada, or if you have got an appointment for one, no worries. It, I am sure that it will be there for you. I'm sure that all 4.4 million of those doses will be delivered on time. And we will do our best to keep up with this story as far as what happens with the general. And as a side note, when I close this one up, is that, of course, Harjit Sajjan, again, knows nothing. And Harjit Sajjan, of course, is suggesting that, well, hey, you know what? Uh, that's why it's such a good thing we're getting Justice Arbour to do an investigation. And as much as it pains me, as it did last week, to say Jagmeet Singh was absolutely right in saying, no, we don't need to do another study. We've already got the Deschamps report from 2015. So let's just implement her findings and let's start rooting this stuff out of our military. Um, this is a real black eye for the Canadian Armed Forces. And this can't be good for the morale of the soldiers out there on the ground. 99.9% .9 of whom are just good, clean, honest, pure people attempting to serve their country. And this has to be quite a big distraction from doing that. So how about we implement the Deschamps report and how about we actually start getting to the bottom of some of this very disturbing behavior in our armed forces? All right, so let's talk a little bit about protests first and then we'll start talking about, uh, about our good friend, the Constitution of Canada. Now, this is Canadian common sense. This is not world events common sense but since the two are tied in this together in this particular situation i will mention that there is a little bit of struggle going on in israel right now just to put it mildly there were attacks by hamas on israel israel has shot back and like always happens when anything goes on with israel 
the left pro-terrorist pro protesters, yes, I said pro-terrorist protesters, I did not say protesters twice, the pro-terrorist protesters that always seem to be on the left. Hmm, interesting. But I digress. So the protesters were out in full force in a lot of Canada's larger cities, and there was actually two sides to the protest. There were actually pro-Israel protests and anti-Israel protests. And some of them, like in Toronto, turned violent when a bunch of Hamas supporters attacked an older Jewish man and beat him pretty bad. And it was on video, unfortunately. It's pretty disturbing to watch. You can certainly find it on YouTube. But one thing I have to note is that protesters, by and large, were not wearing masks, were not social distancing, and most interestingly, were not ticketed by police. And this brings us back to events of almost a year ago. And Lewis and I brought up the hypocrisy at that time too. And it certainly bears a reminder now. In July of last year, June of last year, I think it was, when Black Lives Matter protests started erupting all around Canada. And a lot of protesters did not wear masks, did not socially distance. And we still did not know a lot about the the Wuhan virus at that time. Yet at that time, when all of us were being told, stay home, cower in fear, hide away from this virus, unless you're going to a Black Lives Matter protest, because then it was perfectly okay for Canadians to gather and assemble and protest peacefully, side by side, unmasked, and nobody got in trouble for that. Nobody got ticketed. Nobody got COVID either. Hmm. Interesting. And I'm sure the exact same is going to happen with the pro-Hamas anti-Israel protesters that, well, we already know none got ticketed and probably a good chance that none will get COVID either. But the rest of you, no, 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 especially in Ontario, if you're in Toronto, you, you stay at home and you hide in fear unless you're going to go protest against Israel, then, then, then by all means go out and don't worry about your masks. Cause if you're, if you're protesting and it's a good left-wing social justice cause, then, then it's okay. COVID knows to leave you alone, right? Ridiculous. And to be fair to law enforcement, there were also anti-lockdown protests as there has been almost every weekend in different parts of the country. Finally, anti-lockdown protesters were also not ticketed this past weekend. And oddly enough, even though the anti-lockdown protests are not a left-wing social justice type of cause, even they were not catching the Wuhan virus en masse. So maybe that Wuhan virus isn't so smart after all. Or... Maybe we're just being played. Did that ever cross your minds? I'm, I'm sure it crossed your minds. Because, as I just said, you are the smartest audience in Canada. So, I'm sure it has crossed your minds that we're being played here. That 
this Wuhan virus that's has a 99.9% survival rate, the one one that we now know attacks mainly elderly people with comorbidities. And yes, some of these mutations of the virus, like the one coming from India and from Brazil, the UK, will on occasion attack younger individuals. And yes, some younger individuals have passed from the disease. I do not want to diminish that. But... I will diminish the living hell out of our police enforcement and then lack thereof of lockdown measures of their you know illegalities on protests unless it's for certain causes. Now, if you're in Nova Scotia, a judge actually decided that we're just going to take the law into our own hands here and we're just going to th- going to shred that constitution of Canada. We're going to tear up the Charter of Rights and say all protests are illegal. Yes, you did hear that right. A Nova Scotia judge did say that any protest in Nova Scotia is illegal. And what did Premier Ian Rankin say about that? He just backed away and blamed the judge. Oh, no, the judge said it. We've got to do what the judge says. Um, should a premier not call out a judge when a judge effectively decides they want to make their own laws and not the laws that were passed by the people of the jurisdiction that make the laws that the judge should be sworn to uphold? Does that make any sense? Does it not make sense that maybe a judge should be the one to adjudicate over the laws of the land as they currently are and not just decide that I, as a judge, am going to take away their charter rights just because I feel like I can? And he can't, but he did. And as with so many measures that have gone on during this pandemic, we have just said, well, you know, what are you going to do? Well, I suppose you could maybe call out the tyrant's police state tactics of, of just declaring protests to be illegal in Nova Scotia. You could try that for starters. But this goes back to what we've been saying, Lewis and I, for quite some time now. We as Canadians are just happily giving up our charter rights. We're happily giving up our freedoms. And we're just saying, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do? Well, it's it's for our safety. Oh, well, you know, it's just just to, to fight against the Wuhan virus. And I don't think people in general understand that the more we give away our freedoms and our rights, the more the government will continue to take. And Lewis has said this many times, is when you give your freedoms away, they usually don't come back to you. And if they do, it's a hard fight to get them back. So if we have listeners in Nova Scotia, you may want to take that to heart. And because it's not just anti-lockdown protesters that will now be considered lawbreakers. It will even be those 
social justice warriors that Ian Rankin himself claims to support. After all, remember when he was elected liberal leader and then, and then you know, premier because he was liberal leader, he said he ran on a social justice, climate justice platform and he continued to, or sorry, not continued, he promised that he would govern the same way. Well, if he's going to govern in a social justice manner, any Black Lives Matter protests in Nova Scotia should suddenly now be illegal, just like anti-lockdown protests, or, as the judge said, all protests. So, be careful what you wish for if you just decide you're going to defer to a judge who says, yeah, I know there's a Charter of Rights and Freedoms, I know there's a Constitution, but, meh, what are you going to do? And that's the problem, Canada. We all say, meh, what are you going to do? Maybe start by writing to your MLAs and get after this judge because that is police state tyranny. And unfortunately, we're all too willing to give in to the police state, as we've seen in Ontario and in Quebec and in British Columbia, where blockades are set up. Alberta, Manitoba, pretty much all over the country. Curfews in Quebec, stay-at-home orders in Ontario. I mean, the country has gone insane, and, well, I guess in Nova Scotia, you don't want to protest because it would now be illegal, but we've really got to ask ourselves, at what point in time do we give our heads a shake and say, maybe enough is enough? I don't know. But on this next topic, I've already said enough is enough. Now... In the preamble to the show, when I discussed topics we'd be discussing today, I said, can one province just change the Canadian Constitution unilaterally? The short answer is no, and I'm sure most of you out there in the audience know this, and not that I suspect there's a lot of constitutional scholars in, in our audience, but I've, I've at least familiarize myself with our constitution and our charter of rights and freedoms and i'm sad to say i've had to read the charter of rights and freedoms a lot more than i wish i needed to in this last 14 months month 14 of two weeks to flatten the curve isn't that something amazing anyway the constitution in canada actually clearly states and it's been quoted by my media figures section 45 that constitutional changes in Canada have to be approved by seven provinces comprising 50% or more of Canada's population and the Parliament of Canada and the Senate of Canada. All right, so what am I talking about? Quebec Premier Francois Legault, his, he's no dummy. He's a smart man, and I know that he is come out with Bill 96, I think it is, for a very good reason that he had brought it out at this time. I'll get into that a little bit later. At any rate, this bill uh, proposes that Quebec be recognized as a, dis as, as a nation within Canada and as a nation whose only language, only official language is French. And that and there would be no 
as currently exists in Quebec, there would there would suddenly be an end to Anglo Quebecois being able to have legalized access to English only schools or English language schools, I should say, for their children. Well, this this Bill ninety six would take that right away. So education would all be in French. There would be no more English schools. And Anglo-Quebecers, especially in Montreal, and Francois Legault actually specifically pointed out, especially in Montreal, with his quote, where he fears the French language is in trouble. So there's a whole lot of wrong with this. There's just a whole lot of wrong with this whole idea. So why is Monsieur Legault doing this now? Let's get into that now. Then we'll start talking about the ridiculousness of the of the idea afterward. He's doing it now because he's very smart. Francois Legault understands that there is a federal election coming. This election will happen later this summer or in or into this fall. It likely will not happen until the middle of October. And the cynic in me says it won't happen until later in October because there's a lot of MPs who were elected in 2015 and then re-elected in 2019 who need to make it to the six-year mark so that if they get booted out of office, they will still be able to collect a very, very generous taxpayer-funded pension by you and I, the taxpayer. So my suspicion is that the election will be in October or sooner if Mr. Trudeau thinks he can get a majority out of it, but likely not till October so that more of those government pigs can line up at the taxpayer trough. But anyway, Monsieur Legault knows that an election is coming. Monsieur Legault knows that Quebec is going to be a very, very important battleground in said federal election especially for someone like Justin Trudeau, who needs to get every possible seat he can if he wants to get a majority government. And also by the Bloc Québécois, who wants to maintain relevance in Quebec, and they stormed in with 30-odd seats in the last federal election, so then they've certainly got the upper hand, and they want to keep that. And I guess I don't blame them because they don't seek candidates anywhere else. But the NDP made a very strong showing in Quebec in 2011, and Jagmeet Singh wants to get some more NDP seats back from Quebec. Currently, there is only one NDP MP in Quebec, and Mr. Singh obviously wants to grow the party support in Quebec. The Conservative Party of Canada wants to grow its support in Quebec because the Conservative Party of Canada has decided it is going all in for Ontario and Quebec seats. And they've shown over and over by Aaron O'Toole's words and especially his actions that the base in Western Canada means nothing to Aaron O'Toole and the Conservative Party of Canada. So Quebec is going to be a very, very, very coveted battleground for the four largest political parties they'll be contesting the election in Quebec and Monsieur Legault knows this and so he also knows that since he has the support of currently 90% of Quebecers I mean that's 
you can't always go by what polling data says, but when but when a poll comes out and says there's 90% support popularity for Monsieur Legault, he's doing something right. So he very obviously has his finger on the pulse of what Quebecers are thinking. Which is why all these other federal leaders are doing their best to cozy up to Monsieur Legault. And he knows this. So this is why he's decided to be so bold and to suggest we can change the Constitution if we want unilaterally as provinces. Because, and they're using the Section 45, which says that it is a matter that pertains specifically to the one province of Quebec. However, when in 19... I don't remember the year now. Was it 79? No, it was in the 90s when the province of New Brunswick became officially a bilingual province. New Brunswick had to go through the federal government and the Senate and then go through all the steps of having support from other provinces when they decided they wanted to become an officially bilingual province. They didn't just get to say, yeah, we're just doing it because it only affects us. So already a precedent has been set that Quebec should not be able to do this all on their own either. And I'm old enough to remember the Charlottetown Accord. I'm old enough to remember the Meech Lake Accord. Both of these were constitutional conferences that happened years ago. I mean, the Meech Lake Accord was uh, in the Brian Mulroney government, and Joe Clark was actually the constitutional affairs minister of the time. And it was a role he actually did quite well in. And I'm, I'm rather cold on Joe Clark. I don't really think he was much of a a leader and he was way too much of a politician, but he actually did do quite a good job as constitutional affairs minister. Not good enough, however, to change Canada's constitution to get seven provinces minimum comprising a minimum of 50% of Canadian population to make any changes. The Charlottetown Accord, same thing. That wasn't Joe Clark this time, but there was no deal in Charlottetown either. And there would be no deal if this were to go that route either, because other provinces wouldn't just simply say, yeah, Monsieur Legault, go ahead and kill the English language in Quebec. You know what? You're right. You should just unilaterally make everything French. Now, there are some of you out there who are old enough to remember that Stephen Harper, as Prime Minister, did actually say he recognized Quebec as a nation within Canada. And at the time that he said that, I was absolutely livid because Quebec is part of a nation of Canada, not a nation of its own within Canada. And at that time, myself and many of my cohorts said, they're asking for trouble just by making that declaration. And Mr. Harper was doing it, in my opinion, just to suck up to Quebec, as so many prime ministers and throughout our history have done and will continue to do in our future, by the way. When Mr. Harper made that declaration, one of the first things one of my friends had said was, okay, there are how many hundreds of First Nations reserves in Canada, all of whom 
like would like to declare themselves nations within Canada. And why would they not be recognized as distinct societies, nations within Canada? Well, we know why, because Canada's government has nothing but completely racist policies when it comes to our First Nations. Lewis and I have talked about this several times on our show, and it's absolutely disgusting how the federal government treats our First Nations. So we know there'd be no declaration saying that the Sioux are a nation within Canada. We already know that's not going to happen. But with Quebec, we're all too willing to tiptoe around the issue because there's 79 seats, I believe, in, in Quebec. Yeah, 79 seats. And Justin Trudeau wants them all, which is why Justin Trudeau came on the news and said just a couple of days ago that he actually was all for the idea, and he said Quebec can actually change the Constitution unilaterally on their own. And that's BS. They cannot change the Constitution on their own. That was set out by, of all people, Justin Trudeau's father with the Constitution Act of 1982. You'd think that Justin Trudeau, Nimrod, would actually remember such a thing. But no, no, of course not. He just wants to suck up to Quebec just like everybody else does. But you know what? I actually say, let's do it. Let's have this discussion Let's open up the Constitution. Let's make some changes. If the province of Quebec thinks that language is an important issue and we should change the Constitution to allow Quebec the, the, to have the French language as the official language of the nation of Quebec, well, then I think the nation of Alberta should be recognized as a nation within Canada, and the nation of Alberta should probably not have to pay equalization payments anymore. Well, why not? Because that, that would be a benefit to Alberta as a distinct society of strong, freedom-loving individualists who all believe we should all pull our, ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Perhaps Alberta should just be exempt from making equalization payments. And perhaps here in Saskatchewan, where we're also a, a, a freedom-loving bunch, perhaps we should have control over the export of our resources and have access to tidewater by pipelines for our oil, as an example. And perhaps British Columbia, being the, the nation within Canada, should have some rights to control its own coasts and say, hey, Bill C-48 tanker ban, screw you. British Columbia is a nation within Canada and therefore can make up its own mind about tankers going up and down the British Columbia coast. You see where I'm going here? If we want to recognize nations within Canada, then maybe it's just time to say, well, maybe there is no more Canada. Maybe we need to make Canada into, well, the United States of Canada, where we would just have 13 individual countries loosely united by one federal government that, doesn't have a lot of power over the individual states within Canada. And hey, if we want to go that route, I'm absolutely fine with that. I am really fine with Western provinces and Newfoundland 
not paying into an equalization formula, especially when Newfoundland is on the brink of bankruptcy and many other provinces, hello Ontario, are very, very close behind. Maybe it's time to blow the whole constitution apart and completely reimagine Canada. Now, I like that idea. And for the reasons I just said, I think I'm all in for that. So you know what? Yes, let's open up that constitution. And let's let's change the amending formula to say any province can just unilaterally change it as they wish, as long as it's something that deals with the interests of their own province. Well, Alberta has already said we're going to have a referendum on equalization. So equalization is very unfair to Alberta has been for almost the entire time that equalization has been a program. So it's time to make Alberta exempt. They should just unilaterally change the constitution to say so. Well, wouldn't that ruffle some feathers, but what's good for Quebec should be good for the rest of the country. So either we open it up for every province to start changing it unilaterally, or we stick to the impossible formula of trying to get seven provinces comprising 50% of the, the population of the country to get the federal government, House of Commons, and Senate to agree. Oh, what, I'm sorry, what did you say, Canada? Good luck with that. Exactly. Good luck with that. So you know what, Monsieur Legault? Stuff it. It's not going to happen. And if it does happen, we all should be riding in the streets because that is BS that he should be allowed to change the constitution unilaterally to implement a racist policy on language just because Justin Trudeau wants to kiss his butt and agree with him because, of course, as Trudeau said, well, he's a Quebecer and Quebecers are just better. We've all seen that, that news clip, right? Where does it end? How much do we continue to give in to Quebec? How much do we continue just to, to roll over and let, I guess in this case, an elected leader just decide, no, no, this might be Canada, but no, this is what we're doing because we're Quebec. It's just, it's insanity is what it is. It's absolute insanity. And it just has to stop. All right, Canada, I think I'm actually going to gonna cut it right there for you. So I'm sorry, not quite a full show tonight, but but mostly full. So I do want to thank you all for joining me tonight. And Lewis will be back next week. As I say, it was my fault that he was uh, unable to join me today because we were set to do a show yesterday, but I ended up being a little late in getting my midlife crisis toy. So until next week, I'm sure you will hear at least a rant or two from Lewis or myself. It's Tony here in Saskatchewan. I want to thank you very much for joining me, and we will talk to you next week.